It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Stan Meekum. I loved horses, and I've had lots of good ones. I had a good racehorse. I named her uh, uh, Distant Wind. That's a good name for a racehorse. It is, and she was Distant Wind. Uh, damn it, she could kill him on the end. <laughs> yeah, she she run fourteen times in Prescott and never missed a check. Wow! They were second, 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 second. Her first one was a win. Then my trainer wanted to put her in the claim race and I wouldn't let him I just was hooked up on her then I sent her to Phoenix first race she broke a split bone right here they had this here they have a little bone that runs right down here that's a splint bone she popped part off and her leg swelled up and I had her operated on and and then took her back to the races and she's on her way D. Hawes was good to me. He was from Escalante, and he was Clint Hawes' dad. Okay. Did you ever know Robert Hawes? Yeah. Okay, Robert's <laughs> grandpa. Okay. I liked them guys. <laughs> D. He was, <laughs> and he loved racehorses, and Clint was the best racehorse and fist fighter in the country. <laughs> And fist fighter. That's a good combo. Even if he's drunk, he could whip most anybody. (laughs) And that was most of the time. (laughs) How'd he go to them races and he'd just have his shirt tail by night hanging out and he'd be droopy and have a cigarette about to burn his fingers. And his dad says, you know, I've sure helped a lot of guys out with drinking. They can't do a damn thing with the son. <laughs> but Clean quit drinking. He see, he married my first cousin, Marlene Hoss. Oh, okay. She was my first cousin. Geraldine Lint, Liston was my first cousin. Oh, okay. Dion Alvey. Yeah. Arnold Alvey. And I talked at Arnold's funeral. <laughs> I remember that. I was there. <laughs> was you there? Uh, I done what he told me to, I didn't know. I? Yeah, you did. I was proud of you. <laughs> yeah, that took guts because somebody could have passed out because they could have thought I was having a heart attack. It made me jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> I got your attention, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> he told me to do that, and he said, now you do it. Promise me. And I said, I promise you. He didn't pay which and Arnold was a person that drawed people to him. You know, they got to drinking bad over there, and that. And when I told you I got bad, mm-hmm. uh, I was drinking with them then. When I first started hunting lion at 18, when I really got serious, 
my father-in-law was drinking with me too. We weren't mm -hmm. tunnel lying all the time. We'd go in that cafe and drink all day long. <laughs> Spend all my downed unemployment money for beer, <laughs> which wasn't very much. <laughs> but anyway, I'd like Arnold. He probably was the best horseman I was ever around. He he helped me with distant wind too, because when we was over to. Escaland as a two-year-old why old Don Swap beat me there in Escaland. Don Arnold said he ain't going to beat us in Kanab. <laughs> uh, when we got to Kanab, we put old Don Swap <laughs> down too. Uh, distant wind could run. But then on the way, going back to number three, see I'll go back a little further than that. In storytelling, I know so many damn stories. My, you know, my life has really been quite eventful. I haven't really thought of my life, but you know, when I think of it now, it's been exciting. I've had a lot of scary moments. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of exciting things has happened. Where's the roughest piece of country you've ever rode in? I think the east of Tropic. And back off into Bull Valley. I hate Bull Valley Gorge. Really? Can I help pull my buddies out of their dead, you know? Mm. That's when I was 18. It, Were I, they the ones that crashed there? Yeah, I was right there. Really? Yeah, I was coming off Deer Range Fortune Deer. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Me and my buddies. <laughs> we see some cars and we thought they've caught us because I just barely popped one up the canyon away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've got a roadblock for us boys were caught <laughs> and they had already had one guy out that was hard he'd fell clear to the bottom of the gorge mm. Hart was a really and you knew them really well they're the they're the veterans i got to drinking with okay and clark smith from henryville i had rode with him 14 days straight on deer range gathering cattle just before that happened. I seen him undressed and get in bed with them old heavy underwear. <laughs> he still had them heavy underwear because his shirt, when we pulled him out with the feet, his shirt fell down. It still bothers me. And when I come home that night, I couldn't sleep. I turned the light on all night. Just, I couldn't sleep. It, it 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 really affected me bad to see them dead. But yeah, that is really rough country. You know, when I I hunted that mostly south of Tropic to Kanab, I always like to separate, be west of that road going to Kanab, mm -hmm. towards Bryce and Emrims. I could catch him, but you go the other way. And then you're in all them ledgy canyons, Deer Point, Deer Spring Point, all them. That's that's bad country. Huh. If you can't catch them on the level ground, you're and I hunted. I went out on the fifty once, but I didn't have my hounds in. I just went out to see what it was like. Arnold Botton's caught a line with my dogs for a guy out on there, but I went out on there and it was old Kevin Nile. I'm going to be careful what I'm saying. We <laughs> we went out on the 50. Anyway, uh, I rode that horse right there, the one I'm on right oh, up okay. there. He was half quarter and half Appaloosa, tougher than hell. Oh. 
and you put that borium on his shoes, and where you go up that sandstone, or on them live rocks, you could smell it burning. <laughs> and I could grab him by the tail and have one rain here and talk to him, and, and I'd go out of them steep canyons and just hold his tail, and when I got out of breath, just say, Joe, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he stopped and he turned back and looked at me. I said, I've got to have a breather. <laughs> then we'd go again. But we, uh, I could catch stuff that way, but going to the east, a lot of times I caught lion that would just drop off a little ways onto a shelf. Once I had one just off on the shelf, me and Lucky Cox, <laughs> we were looking, went to look off, that dang lion jumped right up over us oh. and run right under that horse's belly. It went right under him. The horse wow. kicked at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is rough country. Then uh, I don't know. Yeah, the coxcomb is rough country. Running your dad's range, it's right. You go right up to the head of the wall. Weep. Okay. Do you want me to tell you a story about that? Yeah. <laughs> Any Canaan stories you got, I'd love to hear. <laughs> oh, this is a Canaan story. <laughs> well, it's right under the Canaan. It's where it ended. But anyway, why? it was Christmas holidays and Lamar Lefevre, he he grew up here and Devar Pollock grew up here. But Lamar went into education and he was in Las Vegas at the time. He had just here for Christmas holidays. Devar had retired he was living here in the tropic and uh, grandpa bush of course i hunted a lot with him but then i kind of more or less raised a, a boy up here by the name of ron mcgee because <laughs> his mother gave him to his aunt oh. and took the other kids and went to california she lived in the old log cabin that i lived in here but she took Ron when he was probably three years old, four. She left him here with her sister for a while, and then she found out she could get more money on welfare. Well, they had a hell of a fight there. <laughs> See him jumping, but I got a jump to get Ron in on this, because he, he hunted more with me than anybody. Yeah. And uh, when he got older... He was heading, leaving California. He was hitchhiking. He was a gutty little bugger. <laughs> and so he come here, and I was a custodian over in the high school. Damn kids were mean to him. You know how they pick on a kid mm -hmm. and just make fun of him. And I'll say one thing. Yeah, damn, I had to grab him, carry in the restroom a time or two because he'd still fight him. <laughs> he'd carry whip around, he'd still fight him. <laughs> Anyway, he he grew up. I I raised him, and so he hunted uh, a lot with me. But so uh, now I got to use this one that's automatic to kick in. We'll kick in because I about lost it right there. Uh, Lindy, see, it's all coming home. <laughs> We're going on the canyon again. Uh -huh. Okay, so we. Ron's with us too, and still so he's still in high school. In fact, he's he's probably got two more years of school before he's out of school at that time. But he was real little, and I had a half uh, Shetman, and I bred this racehorse of mine to a 
Shetland and only hit me right here because <laughs> I wanted to pull a fast pony for my kids to grow. We called him Shaps. Well, that's what Ron rode. That's most sure-footed. He'd like a damn mountain goat in the rocks. <laughs> he jumped from one rock to the other. But anyway, I and then I was at that time I was riding a bald-faced horse that was out of that bucking mare I told you about, Sheba, uh -huh. and a half Morgan and half quarter horse. My father-in-law had a beautiful bald-faced dark sorrel just that he never had another white thing but his face but anyway we went and we hit a track out here in dry valley that's down by crotochrome okay okay we get out to horse valley and then it's heading right up toward the canaan country and there's a rim there and i got off on foot to go with the dogs in case they got laged up in places, because I had seven dogs, and some of them were young. Jack and Tant were my very favorite, best dogs. I wish you could have seen them. Damn, I do. You know, when I was young, I had the best line-catching machines on earth, but nobody thought I could catch a line, so <laughs> I'd like to have them later on when people was wanting me to take them, you know. Yeah. But I had others that were good too but anyway we got out there and i took that rim yeah before long i looked and there we my dogs were going up the coxcomb I, that runs right off and there's the canaan cougar ridge and then the coxcomb you'll go right off in cougar ridge right under the coxcomb it runs forever down to cottonwood runs they say it runs that way clear to canada <laughs> keep popping up in places you know but yeah. that break in the earth that must be when christ was crucified <laughs> okay we'll get off that now <laughs> we'll go back there anyway why well, it, it was a a heck of an experience because i got to the top of the cane and by hell they jumped that lion and i see where it killed a, a bobcat and ate part of it and that line had went off in that steep country, and old I could hear old Jack and Tant treed off in the wall weep. So they were right in the head of the wall weep, which Gosh. hooks right onto your dad's range. Yeah. And so I went clear to the bottom, and I had a, my wife's gun that I told you she shot all them rabbits with, a little <laughs> white-handled twenty-two pistol. It held nine bullets, but I remember that day, hell, I had longs in it. Back in them days, you know, you had shorts and longs and long rifle. And they all got just a little bit worse. So long wasn't quite as good as long rifle, but I thought, I can kill that lion anyway. So, <laughs> gosh, I thought, I'm just going to shoot her right back of her shoulder there so it'll be a sure kill because it'll hit her harder her lung. And, <laughs> oh, and I, I shot her all right. I just woke her up. <laughs> oh. Because I'd already put one here to tell you the truth that hadn't killed her. She jumped out of that tree. I fell back and lit in one of them pear cactuses. Now, that wasn't very pleasant, but oh. I had to have my eyes on the ball. And <laughs> that lion <laughs> run down this wash. And I had eight dogs, and they was on top of her, and that was the end of her. <laughs> they put her down. Of course, the bullet through there was taking its effect and so I skinned her out and uh, it was funny as I was skinning her them dogs were real tired but her feet 
Lindsay, where she'd been down the sand. She'd run so fast in them ledges, it would burn her wow. down it right down into her pads, where she took down out of that rough country. That old Jack and Tent, they put her up there, and I skinned her out, and then I started up, and it was hard. I'd walked a lot of miles. <laughs> I don't know how many miles that'd be, but it was a lot of miles. And then when I got the top and started down, my legs wouldn't hold me up. That, yeah, I couldn't. Wow. <laughs> I, I would just fall. So I thought, you better just try to get to a tree where there's you can set on fire or something and build your fire because you're not going to walk out of here. And hell, yeah, it was good sound. I heard voices, <laughs> and here come my father-in-law. He just like a damn mountain goat on that Morgan horse. <laughs> here they all come. They had come off from. They'd went clear up on the. Canaan, a bull flat, and then they'd hooked onto the coxcomb, and they were coming down along the top of the coxcomb, and I was up pretty high there, and that I stood up, and there they was, and old Lamar says, my hell, look, he's got that cougar. <laughs> I still had it just, you know, draped kind of around the, and so then, we went clear back up to Shirt Bush, kept that old sawmill, oh, yeah. and put the dogs in a shed there. There's an old mill that used to be there. We could lock them up, and then we headed for Henryville. And <laughs> I don't know what happened to them three boys, but me and old McGee was down to Henryville, and my mother-in-law had <laughs> hot soup into us and hot chocolate and <laughs> everything a man would want. About two hours for them other boys showed. <laughs> and then Lamar wanted to, I had to give him that lion hide. I don't know what he ever done to it, but that was a Canaan lion. Do you want to hear another? Yeah. Right on the face of that cane, and I went over in Pet Holler. Do you know what Pet Holler mm -hmm. is? Yeah. I started a lion right there, Big Tom, me and that little boy that's getting picked on all the time. Yeah. He's getting pretty good then because I gave him a damn good horse and a good dog. Had a lot of friends over school then. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could catch a light himself. But anyway, why, we followed a big old Tom that had a funny-looking track. I could tell that two toes was gone. But his track was humongous. And we followed him clear to the cane and where he'd went off in the wall weep. And then we went home because it got dark. And the next morning I told my father-in-law about him. So we went up to Shirt's Bush and we dropped off into the wall weep and picked his trail up again and we treated him down in the wall weep. He was a damn monster lion. And, <laughs> and I says, let's take him out of their life. My father-in-law, he went along with it. And, uh, you know, we jerked him out of, out of the tree, and I I hit him. That's the first time I'd used uh, nicotine because I couldn't get pentothal. Had an old veterinarian that's crippled or a pine, which he skins a lot to let you have that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I didn't get him, but I could get some of that tranquilizer with nicotine. I did kill that big lion just oh. quick. Just like it did another over in North Get North Creek. Mm. And then the one I told you out on the boulder. Yeah. Killed all three of them. 
I can tell you a lot of stories, darling, faith-promoting stories, too, where I know that God is real. I have no doubt in my mind that God's out there and he knows that me and you exist in this very moment. He knows you, Lindsay, and he knows me, and he knows what we're doing right now. And I say this, I love you, Heavenly Father, and I always want to have Jesus Christ first in my life and try to keep the commandments and be fully repented because <laughs> the only way we can get back to heaven is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is our advocate between us and our Heavenly Father. I'm getting sentimental now. We were, I was said, I don't know how Coy put up with me, because see, I told you that I quit drinking, and I was married in the temple, and I was sealed to, to uh, Coy. You know, I tried really hard not to go back on the drinking, but where I worked, I was in the timber over on Cedar Mountain, and when we come home, they would always stop and Todd's and get beer. Mm. Al Summer Long was there and by fall one day they said, Oh, Stan, one won't won't bother you. And I thought, well maybe it won't. So I drank a beer, but before we got to Tropic I probably had four into me and <laughs> then we were in a quarrel over a horse race. We ended up down below town here and I was on a big old pretty yellow stud I had that got killed right here in the tropics. They broke my heart that I gave 14 head of Hereford cows for. Oh. <laughs> That's another story, too. I loved that damn horse with all my heart, and they blasted him. Somebody shot him. He got out, and they they killed him. Really? Dead in hell. Okay. That's awful. We had the race. We're to the race now. Uh-huh. <laughs> the race is on. You heard that song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I like to hear old, what's his name, sing that. I want to go back to Tammy Wynette and, <laughs> and her husband. I'm not going to try and bring that back. I want to get the horse race. <laughs> that horse could run. And they had a little mare here in town that was called Bunny in months and Saturday. And my buddy, he was always razzing me and razzing me. And they, their horses got on my horses. And that day, their damn Bunny didn't outrun my horse. But on the start, my horse throwed his head up and hit me right in the face. Oh. The blood was just streaming down me when I got the finish line. And, it didn't matter to me, though. I won the race, but <laughs> we were staying with uh, uh, Coy's in Coy and my first wife's parents' house in Henryville because they had gone somewhere and they just wanted us to be caretakers. So we were there, and we had little Keela there. She was only eight years old. And God, I walks into that house, and when Coy seen that blood, <laughs> she had a wash rag, and she was on to me, and... She got a whiff of me. <laughs> she gave me a Scotch blessing. If she said, if you think I'm going to go through what my mother went through, you're crazy as hell. You're out of here, boy. <laughs> Keela run. Because <laughs> she was this little kid. Yeah. And Coy was tender-hearted. She didn't kick me out 
very long end, but she kicked me out right here in the old cabin all night. <laughs> <laughs> she locked me out for an all-nighter. I don't know how she was so kind that she would stay with me. Because she had times, like Easter, when she had the lunch ready, and I went to the store to get olives, <laughs> like that goddamn Dr. Thomas for seven years run off. I'm just like him. I get go to get the olives, and the guy that runs the store says they got a real famous horse they've got from <laughs> back in South America, stallion down Canab. Let's go look at him. I said, let's go. <laughs> I, I come back drunk, and and you know I didn't think I was drunk, but when I come in the house, I knew it wasn't going to be. And she just had her heart broke, but. My little girl walks over there and pulls on her mother, and she says, of course, we're in the old house, and it was a log cabin. There was a little sink, kind of like that, and it was there over there. And she says, Mama, what's wrong with Daddy tonight? Oh. <laughs> Hell, she could tell I was drunk. <laughs> okay. This went off and on. I'd fight it. Well, so I want to tell you really what changed my life, and... Yeah. I think there's people like, you know, Sam Pollock, I tell him about, told me to get property. And I did, and then then I really was really, really well fixed. Uh, like I say, I give it all away. In as much as you've done it to any one of them, you've done it unto me, our Savior said, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So there's always opportunities to, to live, right? In my father's house, there are many mansions. Yeah. But I've had lots of good saddle horses, and I've had a good family, and I'm proud of every one of my kids. How many grandkids do you have? Oh, hell, I've got lots of them. I think about 26, 27. I got that many grades, too. You've got a lot. I've got a lot. Lots and lots. I actually raised eight to adulthood, eight kids, yeah, wow. and I had six boys and three girls. I had nine because Zane died at birth, yeah, I had a funeral for him. There's another experience. But I want to tell you, when I was leaving Pine Ridge, I started having this strange feeling like like he was there with me. And when I turned to the river bridge to start back up toward Drake King, I know dang well that little fellow was there and he was Aww. thanking me. I know that. And he was, he wasn't on a little baby. He was a spirit for him. And he was thanking me. So there's another. That top arrowhead there, when Harvey died, there's another one when God come to maid. Thought I never finished that story. <laughs> we got to go back to Green River, Moab, <laughs> Blandy. I'm over there working, and and I'm pretty straight then. I think I got it done. And old, I see this old stuff. I'm saying old horror, old. Humpy and old Lawrence and old so-and-so and old so-and-so. You ever notice the people in Tropic do that? 
They refer to people as old. No, we're not old. Okay, let's let's refer to Lawrence Chinoth, and we called him Humpy. That's correct English, Mother, if you're watching me up there. Anyway, well, he said, we were staying together in a motel. He said, let's uh, drink one of these beers. I said, I'm not going to drink a warm beer. I said, oh, let's drink one of them, and then we'll go eat. I took that beer, and we didn't go eat. I got drinking really bad after that, really bad. And I got so damn drunk, and I felt so damn guilty. I was just going to tell Coy I was going to quit work and come home that I was really having it bad again. And so I uh, got in the booth, and I did. I called her. And it's raining really hard and thundering and lightning. She says, you sound different for some reason. I said, oh, it's just a terrible storm here, and I got by with that lie. <laughs> well, it was storming, but <laughs> I didn't want her to know why I might be sounding a little different. <laughs> anyway, why... This went on every night after work. Ray's Tavern there in Green River, see, they were building that army thing where they were do- shooting them rockets oh, yeah. from down Mexico up to the, they had all that stuff there. They communicate between River and there, and then they had these. In fact, that's what we were doing. We were burying these buildings with dirt, and then we built an airport there too. But anyway, <laughs> Harold Whiting owned the construction company, him and his brother, and then a brother-in-law, Mel Heyman. But Harold was a, he's the reason I got that house, because I could not get any damn money. I could not borrow, when I was in that old log house, uh-huh. bank over to Pine, which wouldn't give me enough to buy a 2600, 26-foot trailer house. So I could take me. They wouldn't give it to me. You know what that banker said? People over in Tropic have poor credit rating here. <laughs> I think that's against the law to tell wow. people what the rating is. Anyway, he wouldn't give it to me. Well, he had a nervous breakdown later, so I didn't feel bad for him. But he wouldn't give me no money. And when I couldn't get any money, and I told Harold I, was, I couldn't get any money to do anything to he says, you can get, you're going to get some money. And he says, I'll tell you what you do. He says, you go to a farmer's home and you take this letter. He said, in fact, I'll tell Woody to write you a letter. And that was the superintendent who was over all of the workers. Okay. I went down and Woody wrote me a letter and it says, we guarantee he'll pay for this house. If he don't, we'll pay for it, and they signed their names. That I had no the week. I had money for that. <laughs> I was down to Gunnison getting the Valley Builders getting that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I really loved Harold a lot. I'll tell you one incident where they overpaid me way big. I'll show you how much I was working. I was working nine hours, and the. Guy got ticked off that's running a cat pushing gravel at night, and there's a brand new D8 cat with rippers on, and it was out uh, north of Delta, out towards Lindell, and it was, you'd be working all alone, and Harold said, I want you to run that cat 
at night. I'd go after my nine hours. I'd eat. I'd go out for another eight. Try that. Wow. For, I did that for five days. Can you imagine how wow. big that damn check was? Because this nine hours, the ninth hour of the day was overtime. The time That's and awesome. Uh, you, you ought to have seen the damn check I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had way overpaid me. And he was, we were getting fall of the year, and they were getting ready to move to go to over here to Mount Carmel because they got a big job there going to Water Canab. And I was on a cat going up the road, and I, he, I stopped him. He was, and he said, "What do you need, Stan?" I said, "Yeah, now you've now you're way overpaid me." <laughs> I sh showed him, and he says, "Stan." You want a winner's job, you can go with us to Mount Carmel. See, by being honest, I worked all winter in a closed cab with a heater in it, <laughs> hauling dirt, doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> so anyway, I'm over there. And at night, he would come and get me sometimes because see, when you do the grade and you're making roads and things, they start surveying it, and then they start, when you're getting close to finish, they start pounding pegs, and if it's low, they'll pound it in the ground, dig around it, mm -hmm. and you have to take the dirt off. It, you might come and you might look ahead of you and you'll see a redhead that's that high, then you're on a big scraper, and you come along and you just drop that exact amount of dirt right over there and just level it. I got good that's at that. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was doing that a lot, and... He honked, and I went out of the uh, motel room, and he says, Dan, will you do something for me? And I says, Harold, you know I will. That's a heck of a question. I'll do anything for you. He says, first of all, look me right straight in the eyes and tell me you'll quit drinking. I says, Harold, I won't do that, because I'll tell you why, Harold. I think too much of you, and I have broke that promise so many times. I don't trust myself to make that. He says, I'm not leaving. Make me that promise. He says, Dan, you're not like these guys. Anyway, why? I just told Harold, I says, okay. And then when I left to come home that weekend, I'd usually drink a little, then I'd had a lot of breath killer before I'd get home, you know. <laughs> I was getting by with it. At least she, if I wasn't, she's letting me by with it. Maybe she's letting me by with it, but then maybe she'd give up on me. <laughs> but anyway, why? I get the Hanks feel. No, I thought I'll be. I'll go and get a six pack and a beer, and I stopped there. I bet I was there thirty minutes. I had the hell of a fight I ever had. It was hard for me to quit. I was an alcoholic. Out of high school, I drank every day and every night. I knew where there was booze every day, where I could put my hands on it. If I didn't have it, I didn't think I could do anything. It was a crutch. Well, anyway, well, I, I finally said, well, Stan, what are you going to do? Or you, you can fool your wife and you can fool Harold, but there's two places you're never going to get by, and that's God. And what about yourself? What, Stan, what do you want out of this life? Why are you here? 
What do you want? Where are you going? What's the end? I have never touched alcohol to this day, and that was 1964. Wow. Not even in cough syrup. I know it's got it. I ain't drinking it. And you know, when Coy died, I wanted the crutch again. I wanted to fall back on liquor. I didn't do it. When Nellie died, look at all these years. At 60 years, I kept thinking, I believe I'll just get me a pint of vodka. And, you know, just because I'm not feeling I'm lonesome here, and I'll just take a little drink. And then I thought, can't you remember that talk you had many years ago? What do you want out of life? You're not far from you're gonna time when you're going to meet God. And you've got to give an account of what you've done, what you've done here. And what about your little ones? You can let them all down now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. If I said anything that you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. <laughs> we sure had a good visit. That concludes my interview with Stan Meekum. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, to put a face behind the name, you can head over to our Instagram page. It's at cowboystories underscore podcast. And like always, if you know somebody who would be a good fit for this show, please send me an email nomination to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you.